The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We start this afternoon with the fact that one of Edmonton's most notorious criminals has had his bid for parole rejected. And I want to set this all up for you. Uh, Leo Teske, you might remember that name. He's currently serving an indeterminate sentence for the brutal 2000 beating that left Edmonton landlord Dougald Miller in a vegetative state. Even though Miller survived, he was never again able to feed himself or speak. He learned to communicate through blinking. His wife, Leslie, took care of him for those 16 years. Um, After 16 years in care, Mr. Miller died at the age of 77. Teske was tried for the assault twice. He was convicted in 2002, but he managed to win an appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, and a second trial was ordered. He was reconvicted once again in 2008, and in 2010 was declared a dangerous offender. You remember this now? I'm sure you do. Now, Teske has been in jail since 2000. His designation as a dangerous offender could mean life behind bars. But after serving a a certain amount of time, the parole board then must consider his case every two years, which it just did. And it determined that based on his violent criminal history and problematic behavior, Teske presented too much risk to society to be given his freedom. Teske is now 50 years old. His life of crime started early and includes the assault of a two-year-old boy in 1994 and the shooting of a city police officer in the back of the head in 1988. That police officer, now retired, Constable Michael Lacusta, joins us now. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Now, I want to thank you for joining us and and being willing to share your story uh, again so many years after it happened. But given um, what has happened with the parole board, I wanted to ask some questions. Um, His designation, Teske's designation as a dangerous offender, as I mentioned, could mean life behind bars. Uh, As I mentioned, the parole board has to consider his case every two years. That must be incredibly frustrating uh, for you as one of his victims to hear that every two years he gets a chance to plead his case once again? Well, as long as the uh, solution remains the same, he stays behind bars, I'm happy. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Um, they had said that, um, and, I, and I'm guessing you never want to see him out of jail. You don't believe that a, a leopard can change its spots, do you? Not that one. Not that one. Tell us what you and why do you feel that way, Michael? Well, I got interviewed on this a couple of times before, and this one they wanted to declare him as a dangerous offender, and I got interviewed uh, at the courthouse. Uh, what I thought, and I thought, well, you know, if they can rehabilitate this guy and he'll learn a lesson and he'll go straight to live a normal life like all the individuals out in the street uh, fine but there's a great chance he's going to re-offend and it didn't take long after that that he did Mm -hmm. so uh, what more can I say Uh, 
he just doesn't, can never learn. So I don't know what his problem is. Michael, um, can you take us back to January 9th of 1988? Um, Leo Teske was arrested for mischief after police investigated a report of gunshots. He was placed in the back of your cruiser. Take us back to the day. What do you What do you remember? <laughs> Everything. Um, on the 9th of January, 88, I was working a day shift, working 7 o'clock till 5 in the evening. I worked up the London station, and in the afternoon, about 2 o'clock, I get dispatched to the Wellington Hardware at uh, 132.25, 132 Street, and uh, it was a call that uh, someone shot the window out of a pickup truck that was behind the hardware. And the uh, person that they had inside, we went to the uh, hardware and checked them out. And I was accompanied with the sergeant at the time and we responded to the hardware and then was informed the person who had called the complaint in uh, was this young fella, and he was in the washroom at the rear of the uh, of the hardware. Uh, he had the door all closed up, and we coaxed him to come out. And moments later, a young fella came out, and uh, we asked him what he was doing, and he said that... Uh, he was shot at. Oh, okay. So uh, we asked him, uh, you know, where's the gun that was used in uh, shooting the, the window off the vehicle? And uh, he said, no, he didn't have it. So uh, when I uh, spoke to him, I noted there was a bulge in his pants pocket. Mm. And I retrieved uh, about 20 rounds of uh, live 32 caliber ammunition. <laughs> Again, we asked him, where's the gun? And he said that, you know, he didn't have one. Asked him about the bullets, and he said, well, I found this in a garbage bin. And if you want, he said, I'll take you over there, and I'll uh, show you where I found it. I checked the washroom and uh, I uh, retrieved a uh, box from uh, 32 ca uh, ammunition. And then he was uh, placed under arrest for mischief to the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, we checked, we checked basically high, low around the truck and the hardware, and we found nothing. So, then I was advised just to put him in the car and take him to the London station. So he was in the car, and I was uh, en route to London Derry. And uh, I was about a, uh, I was nearing one, uh, 66th Street on 132 Avenue, and uh, suddenly I hear this big bang that sounded like gunfire. Yeah. So I, I thought, well, 
It's not him because I searched him and I didn't find anything. So I turn around and there he is. He uh, was holding this shiny 32 caliber revolver. And my first thought was, he's got it, now he's using it. Mm-hmm. So for my uh, safety, I slammed on the brakes, opened the door of the vehicle, and then I bailed out. Uh, then uh, he was, uh, he got into the vehicle, he takes off in the meantime. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the meantime, I took cover behind the fence in the area, and uh, I called it in, said I was shot at. And I thought, well, it's, uh, it'd be hard for them to believe, like, uh, what all happened. I thought, well, you know, there's, uh, I didn't see any bullet go through the window or or in the roof of the car, so I checked the back of my neck and uh, blood on my fingers, so then I knew it that uh, that's where the uh, shot was fired. So, Michael, Michael, how did you how did how did you survive that? Um, I mean, when we talk about getting shot in the in the back of the head at at close range, how did how did you survive? Well, <laughs> from the doctor, I guess I was thick headed, so it didn't. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, the bullet went in, and uh, it went uh, ended up half inch from the sp- uh, from the uh, spinal cord. Mm. Otherwise, that'd have been uh, been a vegetable. So, if if I remember correctly, uh, Teske was out on probation when he shot you, and during the trial, he said he didn't have intent to kill you. Um, he was acquitted of attempted mm-hmm. murder. He was sentenced mm-hmm. to three years and ten months on charges of unlawful use of a handgun while committing an indictable offense and unlawful yeah. escape. Three and a half, three and a half years. No intent? I mean, to me, that is that is mind-boggling, Michael. Well, my thought was, that's the court system for you. Mm. That's the discretion of the judge. Now, it was just a matter of uh, a game between the lawyer and the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. So who does the, uh, who, who presents the better case? Obviously, it was the uh, the lawyer at the time. Now, and, the, the, uh, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. The, the you 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 have um, you suffered. I mean, that that bullet caused um, some issues that you've been living with ever since, right? Well, I uh, I actually uh, lived through it with no. No ill effects, other than uh, a few damaged nerves, but uh, basically uh, uh, got the, uh, I would say, the least amount of uh, ill effects. So, so 12 years later, when you had heard about what happened to Dougald 
Miller. You, you mm-hmm. it must have been a it must have been a, a, a kick to the gut. You must have it, it, it yeah, must have been yeah. just awful to to hear that. And uh, you know this is stuff you don't want to hear, but uh, like I said, the guy didn't change. Mm-hmm. He was a dangerous offender then, and uh, he didn't prove otherwise. He was so, just fun- uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. He was just, you know, he had his own friends and stuff, and uh, in in their books, he was the hero. You know, finally, he was declared a a dangerous offender. Um, You know, when you look back at his string of victims that range in age from, you know, you know, from a small child to mm-hmm. seniors to family to complete strangers. Um, has has the legal system, did the legal system fail in this case all the way around? I would say yes, but I, I'm curious, in your opinion, did the legal system yes, they, fail? It did, honestly. You know, uh, they don't rehabilitate anybody anymore. Guy serves his time, and then all the uh, offenders want is they want out. And uh, nothing happens to them. So what needs to be done? What needs to change, Michael? Well, a lot. You know, they... uh, basically get a slap on the wrist and uh, that's the silence. It, uh, you know, you think back and uh, it, uh, it's mind-boggling of what the uh, courts do and uh, what the guys go through. Everybody you deal with, they'll say, well, you got to talk to my lawyer, you know, and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. You know, recently, Teske lost uh, a bid to prevent the media from publishing a, a new name if he was successful in, in applying for one. He said if he ever got out on parole, he, he deserved to, you know, start new, start afresh and, and not have the, uh, you know, have the attention on him. Your your thoughts on that? My views on that, well, <laughs> he's wasting his time. You know, uh, whether he changes his name, Leo Teske, he's still going to be Leo Teske. <laughs> and and uh, all he's doing all these years, he's been put away, that's about 33 years. Uh, he's wasted a lot of taxpayers' money. They're just Michael, holding him in le- there. Go ahead. Before, before I let you go, um, what what do you want people to to remember about Leo Teske as this continues to, to work through this the system? What what do you want people to, to be aware of? Well that he's a very dangerous guy. He just he's got no uh, no sympathy for anybody. And uh, he doesn't uh, feel that he did anything wrong. Uh, when they, uh, Mrs. Miller took him up, uh, took her, her husband up to uh, the court, and uh, he was there in, in front of Teske in the, in the bed uh, in the courthouse. Uh, mm-hmm. Teske said at the time, oh, I said, the guy can still get up and dance. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard for me to believe, and I know it's the legal system and the way that it is, but it's hard to, for me to believe that this guy even gets a chance to go now every two years and, and plead his case, because as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, the, the key should have been thrown away uh, a very long, long time ago. Um, Michael, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon and, and sharing your story and sharing your thoughts uh, on this. I, I sure do appreciate it um, very much. Thank you for this. All right. Thanks very much. Take care okay. now. Michael Lacusta joining us this afternoon. He was the EPS constable who was shot in the back of the head by Leo Teske in 1988 when he was out on probation. He was just turning 18. He was he was uh, tried as an adult, sentenced to uh, three years and 10 months. Um, 10 years later, 12 years later, went on to beat uh, Dougald Miller uh, into a into a vegetative state. You'll probably remember that uh, Mr. Miller found uh, Teske sleeping in the front entranceway of, of one of uh, Mr. Miller's apartment buildings. And uh, when he tried to get him to move, um, he just, he, he beat him just beyond belief. Um, you know, it, it frustrates me and I've said it and I know it's gonna frustrate you as well. I mean, uh, when you look at this Teske's long list. I mean, the list is long. I mean, I've told you about three. It's it's pages long. And as far as I'm concerned, and I'll say it again, I just do not believe. I just do not believe that this man should get a chance to plead his case every two years.